0: Hello everybody and welcome. Welcome to the first episode of the Why So Serial podcast. Yay! I know I'm really excited and I hope you are too. Um, Like I said this is the first episode so cheers! Hoping this goes kind of well. This is my first attempt at this so I'm, I'm hoping it goes as good as it's planned in my head but um it's very exciting for me because as a person who listens to true crime podcasts for several hours of almost every day, um, I'm just really excited because it's it's almost like I listen so much, I read so much, I watch so much about it, I I might as well put my own take on it too. And I know that there's a lot of amazing podcasts out there right now. But hopefully, maybe with time, you know, I can grow, and this could be a great one just like those two. Um, So we'll have to see how it goes, but for anyone tuning in, thank you, I appreciate it, and hopefully uh, this interests you. Um, My name's Danielle, and I'm the host of the Why So Serial podcast. Hello, it's great to meet you, and uh, you might hear my co-host Lola, she is my 10-year-old pit bull, and she is sassy as hell, so... um, I might edit her out, I might not, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, We'll see how it goes. So for the first episode of the podcast, I have chosen to do the story of Amber Takaro. And I'm not sure if this is super well known. I know that there are some podcasts that have done it. Uh, Crime Junkie did an episode on it. Um, But it's just a case that has really weighed really heavy on my heart along the years for many, many reasons, the first being it's just truly terrible uh, just to hear it in the facts of the case, not that it's more terrible than any others. Obviously, murder in general is a big no-no, very not good, but there are just, you know, some cases that stick with you as ones that kind of the details stay with you after years, you know, and this has just always been one of those cases for me, Um, but also I think it's really important to talk about this case because um the fact that the victim was an indigenous woman and I feel like you know out of all the cases I read and hear about there's just a stigma really toward the indigenous women when it comes to justice um and I just think using a platform to spread that awareness is always great and um you know she's a person to a mother a friend a daughter and just deserves justice um so, I figured this would be a great way to start the podcast, you know, with a case that's near and dear and that I feel like just doesn't get enough press. Um, a report from The Guardian reports that up to 4,000 indigenous women are killed or missing in Canada, which is where the story takes place today. Um, While in the U.S., they face murder rates up to 10 times higher than the national average. Um, To me, those stats are just shocking. And again, I just really was hoping to use this platform to bring awareness to it since I don't think it's super well known. Um, But with that being said, we will jump right in. Um, And this story starts off, you know, with Amber Ticaro. And when she was just 20 years old, she went missing. She was, you know, young, full of life, a mother. She was cared for by her friends and family. Um, And she left this world and left her, you know, very young son to grow up without a mother. And I just think it's just horrible what happened to her. She was described as a person who was loved by many, and she would go missing on August 18th. Still, more than 12 years later, more questions and answers surround this case, even to this day in 2021. So let's rewind a little bit, give you guys some context, some background information. Vivian and Andrew Takaro were looking to adopt when they found Amber, who they adopted when she was just a baby. But the family obviously loved her, welcomed her with open and loving arms, and were just so excited for this new addition to their family. She was born January 3rd, 1990 in northern Alberta, Canada. So that actually makes her a Capricorn, and I know a lot of Capricorns, and I just think that says a lot about Amber from what I've read for her. I know not everyone is into astrology, but I do just think it can be interesting. And, you know, Capricorns are described as being ambitious, making their own rules, and I feel like that sounds a lot like Amber. I obviously don't know her personally, but just from what I've read, you know, they described her as being just a person that when she walks in the room you know she lights it up and her presence is just super enjoyable and everybody just loves being around her she works hard you know for herself and her son to give him a good life and to me that Capricorn energy just makes her kind of like a larger than life person but if you're not into that I understand as well and we'll kind of get more into it later the testimonies and things other people had to say if astrology isn't for you which is totally fine. The family already had four boys when they adopted her, so obviously being the only daughter, you know, the only girl having four brothers, I can only imagine she was very protected. Um I myself have a brother <laughs> and I know how that goes. So having four brothers, uh would just be it would be a very interesting dy- dynamic to be the only girl, you know, with four brothers. I think but a good dynamic, but but yes, um they were members of the Mississauga Cree First Nation and planted their roots in Fort Chippewyan. And guys, I apologize if I butcher some of these names. I did look up the pronunciations, but I have a hard time with pronunciations sometimes, so I, I will really do my best to make sure that I am pronouncing these right. Um. But where she's from is a settlement in Alberta, Canada, and later they moved to Fort McMurray, which is, again, still in Alberta, Canada, but 139 miles north from where they kind of grew up. Uh, Amber's mom is quoted as describing Amber as the apple of my eye. She was a bright young woman with big dreams and infectious laugh that seemed to welcome others to join in. She loves singing and dancing, though her mother says she wasn't very good at either, which I can really relate to because (laughs) do you ever sing in the shower and just feel like you sound amazing like Celine Dion level star status maybe that's just me but I always felt like belting it in the shower and thinking wow like I could I could really do this and then you know everyone hears you wow we really heard you screaming is everything okay up there so you know she loved to sing and dance and and I just think that shows what kind of person she is because I think it it says a lot about a person, even if they're not good at singing and dancing, but just they love to do it and they don't care whether they're good or not. And so again, she seems like just a genuinely fun girl to be around. I think that's so rare today, which is what makes what happened to her even more tragic. Um, Amber would eventually go on to give birth to her son Jacob in 2010 and just fully embrace motherhood. She was super excited all reports say she was this amazing mother, loved her son fiercely. You know, her her main goal was to work hard, give her son a great life, you know, be independent, just take care of her and her son. Uh, she worked hard to find her own place, but I think that kind of proved difficult for her. You know, reports say she found herself staying oftentimes at Unity House, which in the area was kind of just like a place for people to go who are done on their luck, uh, you know, having transitions, needing resources, and that, this, that, and the other, of that nature. Um, This often left Amber moving back into her family home when she couldn't, you know, I guess, make it work on her own, and it was at Unity House where she would eventually meet a woman, and the two quickly became friends, Um, and later this would be one of the last people to see Amber alive. Now, the name of the woman isn't public knowledge, which is why I'm going to refer to her as the friend, simply just because um, since the investigation is still ongoing, her name has not been released by the public. Um, So that is why she's being referred to as a friend. But we'll go now to August 17th, which, which is closer to the timeline of when all this tragedy does occur. So on August 17th, the woman... Amber had met and befriended at Unity House, had stopped by the family home. And she asked Amber, Hey, you know, I want to go on a trip. Let's take a flight from Fort McMurray to Edmonton, which was um, I think four and a half, five hours away from Fort McMurray, where Amber and her family were staying. Now, in all the reports I've read, again, it just refers to her as this woman. So I'm I'm sorry for anyone who might say, Well, who is this woman? Um, it's just not made public. Um, so we'll just refer to her as the friend. But you know, Amber obviously was very excited like anyone would be. I know I love going on trips with my friends. Any trip I can do, I will just jump at like no other, especially, you know, after a year of COVID. It's like, yes, get me out, get me a trip, get me anywhere. So she was really looking forward to this trip. Um However, you know, Amber's mom got to do what a mom's got to do and was just kind of feeling Uneasy about it, unsure of that, you know, typical mother intuition that I'm always hearing about in these cases. I myself am not a mother, but I get it. You know, you always hear back in the day, you know, your parents, oh, we didn't like this person. Oh, we knew they were bad news. Oh, and 99% of the time, at least in my case, um, my parents were always right. So I, I get that, you know, mothers, they, I think they do have that. Gut feeling, intuition, and apparently Amber's mom Vivian did have that, and she kind of expressed to her, you know, hey, I'm a little unsure, I'm a little worried for you to go there. She she had some reservations, and she let Amber know, um, you know, as teenagers, I know Amber was more of a young adult, but as teenagers and young adults, you know, I think that it's so normal. I would, from my own experience, to just kind of brush your parents off. You know, at that age, it's, you want to do what you want to do. You know, even in your early twenties, you think, well, I'm an adult, but you know, it's not till you get older. I think that you realize, oh, okay. Maybe looking back, I thought I was an adult, but some of the things I did a little questionable, just in my case, not saying in Amber's case, but you know, I, I get it. She was young and I think she wanted to have fun and it's normal to just brush your parents off. You know, parents, that's what they do. They worry. they, they nag, they, (laughs) they care, you know, so I think she was quick to kind of just be like, you know, mom, it's gonna be okay, it's no big deal, and, you know, she was just really looking forward to the trip, and I think she did what any of us would do, downplay the, you know, downplay the worries, kind of calm the her mom down, you know, reassure the mom, it's just gonna be for a day or two, it's gonna be okay, mom, you know, um, she planned to bring her son, and I, I think, you know, that put her mom a little bit at ease, but, you know, I'm in no way blaming her. I, I think a lot of people would have done the same thing, you know, especially someone who lives at their parents' home, and there's nothing wrong with that, of course, but, you know, being a mother, being a young adult, I can imagine, you know, the trip would be like kind of like a little a freedom, you know, a chance on your own, and I know for me, at least, that's something I would have really enjoyed. So even with her mom being a little nervous, they decide to go. Um, Amber and her son eventually made the trip. Like I said, it was just going to be a short little trip to Edmonton, a few hours away. And so kind of a little piece that's missing from the story that I did kind of want to point out is the reasoning why the two decided to go here. Obviously, I'm not the police, I'm not an expert, I don't have insider information, but it is something I'm kind of just curious about. Um, You know, maybe it's something as simple as they just wanted to go. Like I said, people just go on trips, they don't always have to have a reason, but you know, after, oh, there's my co-host Lola. (laughs) But after, you know, looking into it and just kind of being curious about it and no reports, they kind of give a reason why. Like I said, I'm not sure if that's something that's needed Maybe it's just for fun, um, or maybe they did have a goal in mind, but that's just something that, after looking into this, I am just a little bit curious about and thought I'd point out. So regardless of all this, oh there she goes again, guys. I wish you could see her. She is adorable. You guys would really love her if you could see her. She is a pit bull, and she looks like a little cow. But anyway, <laughs> back to the, the case. Um, regardless, they went on the trip, and they chose to book a motel near... Nisku. It's spelled N-I-S-K-U, but I believe the pronunciation is Nisku, Alberta, which is a small town within Ladue County. They chose this location because, one, the hotels are cheaper. You know, I can obviously relate to that, um, and they thought, you know, they could just save some money, and it was close to Edmonton, you know, close to where they wanted to travel later, and just thought, hey, this this is a good idea, Um, I don't think that anyone could unfortunately foresee that this would be the last day, you know, Amber would be seen. Um, Sadly, on August 18th, 2010, it was reported that between 7.30 and 8.30 on August 18th, Amber left the hotel and left her son Jacob with her friend who could care for him while she entered in the city. Now, there are varying reports as to why Amber left because, you know, as you may recall, I said earlier, the two did plan together to go into the city of Edmonton. It's just a short two-day trip. You know, they were most likely going to go the next day, but Amber uh, went in alone on August 18th. Um, there are a couple different reports. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> um, I'm just going to leave this in because, you know, I'm, uh, I'm more in the habit of being authentic than uh, editing all this out. So hopefully... Okay, maybe if she keeps doing it, then I'm just going to have to <laughs> start over. But regardless, there are several reported reasons why she went to the city. The first is was reported in a couple articles that she went to buy food. Um, a couple other reports say that she needed money. For something but I only saw that in one or two reports I'm just mentioning it because I saw it but I didn't see it in anything that stands out to me as being extremely factual but the two that stood out and had a lot of evidence that I saw the most was that she went to buy food and the second reason being that she was just very excited to visit Edmonton and that excitement led to her you know wanting to go there early not wanting to wait um and what is agreed upon by any account is that Amber planned to travel to Edmonton by hitchhiking, um, which <sighs> hitchhiking is just a topic that uh, it just breaks my heart. I obviously it's just one of those things. I'm not gonna say it's bad. I'm not. I'm not gonna obviously put shame or ju- or any judgment at all on her. I don't think any choice, decision, or action, or anything like that, um, race, you know, gender, age determines if a person you know deserves to be murdered or not nobody deserves to be murdered and you know people that hitchhike I think that that's their choice Um, I don't pretend to know that I mean you know I know that some people that's just their only option or you know that's something that they want to do and that you know is their choice I just uh, in my heart I just also want to tell people if that is something you do choose to do I would just really really Be careful. I myself wouldn't do that, but I I understand the struggle for some people. I just, I don't know. It's just cases like these where you hear about the hitchhiking that just, it just breaks my heart. It just breaks my heart. Um, And so, like I said, she chose to hitchhike into Edmonton. And unfortunately, that would be the last time anyone saw or heard from Amber again. Um, And like I said, uh, It's just heartbreaking because Vivian, Amber's mother, she did report in some of the articles I read, you know, Amber has hitchhiked before and she did express concern, you know, any mother would worrying about her kinds of people, maybe she'd be around, you know, and she did express to her at one point, you know, if you ever are hitchhiking or have to hitchhike, pretend to be on the phone with someone that might make it safer for you. And we'll see how that comes into play a little more later. It's almost haunting that detail that it does come into play. Um, on August 19th, so the day after Amber decided to hitchhike, she still hadn't turned up at the motel. Her friend, she's getting worried, you know, she still has her son Jacob with her, and she's probably like, Well, where the heck is Amber, you know. The friend was able to reach Amber's mother. Amber's mother was immediately concerned because this is so out of character. Obviously, you know, Amber is described as uh a very fierce, you know, mother. She would never just leave her son for that long of time. You know, no call, no explanation, no nothing. Something just didn't sit right. And honestly, I don't blame her. It wouldn't sit right with me either. So her mother was immediately worried. She called the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, who was also called the RCMP in Canada, um, and she called them right away. She just got this response that she just described as the start of... uh, just the start of a downward decline, you know, um, the police had told her, you know, oh, your, your daughter's probably out partying. She'll get in touch soon. And right away, she was just totally unhinged by this. You know, that's no, that's not my daughter's nature. That's not what she's doing. Like you don't understand, but you know, the police were like, no, no, like this is what it is. And, uh, they expressed she had to wait 24 hours to report Amber, a missing person. Now, Quickly, I want to touch on this because I think that this is a little bit of a misconception, but it also, the context is a little more complicated. In a lot, a lot of cases, you know, people are told you have to wait 24 hours. That, I just want to really put out there, that is not always the case. Um, It really depends on the state, you know, the county, the jurisdiction, if it's an adult, if it's a child, like the circumstances that follow, you know, like, you know, what were they doing before, you know, like, do they, you know, do they go long periods of time without being, you know, heard from, like, do they live off the grid, you know, are they in contact every day, like, is this unusual, were they supposed to, there are so many factors, um, you know, and so I just want to put out there that it is different per state, per area, it is not always 24 hours, it's always best, if you feel like something's wrong, to call, you know just advocate for yourself advocate for your family if you really feel like something's wrong you know don't take no for an answer get people involved I know that might be easier said than done I've never myself been in this situation but I just think in these situations uh, I just wouldn't take one person's word at face value when it comes to my loved ones not saying that they did or that they did anything wrong but you know I would just really make sure to look into that because the first twenty four hours are the most important, and if someone is giving that information incorrectly, not saying in this case it was, but you know, just in general, I just think it's really good to check on that. But anyway, um, you know, I just think the people who who know the situation, who are associated with the missing, they just know more than the police, and so I just think that, that that's really important. Um, you know, don't let it be brushed off, and just and just stand up for what you believe. Um, obviously in this situation waiting 24 hours is not and was not ideal um as a mother you know deeply worried frantic 24 hours I can only imagine seems like eternity um just seems like watching paint dry I mean 24 hours I I wouldn't even know what to do with myself um she was obviously worried, totally worried, because uh, she's never left her son. Nothing like this has ever happened, and she just said she she could tell in her gut that something was just terribly, terribly wrong. Um, on August 28th, about a week later in 2010, Amber is reported missing, um, but the RCMP recommended that Amber's case be closed and that Amber be removed from the National Missing Persons Database. This is a move that when I was reading about genuinely just, it just gave me a feeling in the pit of my stomach. Like that is not right. Um, I don't understand the logic of removing someone who won. Again, Amber had no history of leaving, no history of just up and being unreliable, you know, not being present. She's never left her son like this. You know, her mom reports she wasn't a partier. That's not her MO. This is just all totally out of character. But they just felt the narrative of that this, yes, this is what she's doing. She's fine. She's not in any harm. She's partying. She'll turn up. She's not missing. And to me, that just blows me away because they had they had no proof to support this. You know, like they had <laughs> it's not like, you know, she was posting on Facebook, hey guys, I'm fine. I just ran away. You know, the police just said this is how we feel, and so this is what we're going with. Um, they felt like the police, felt like there was no foul play, and they they had reported potential sightings and social media activity as what led them to their choice to take Amber off the National Missing Persons Database. Again, none of these reports were validated. None of these reports of sightings of social media were followed up in any way, shape, or form, and that is reported on many sources. So there is no verification for any of this, and they just took it at face value, and said, well, and we're going to remove her. Um, A few days later, they commented on this. The Leduc RCMP media relations officer reported to the media that there was no reason to believe Amber was in danger, and then she was swiftly removed, leaving her family feeling like, of course, what is going on? Like, this is very compromised. I'm sure they couldn't help but wonder how this affected the search for her, you know, I think, again, sadly, this is just another step in the wrong direction in this really jumbled case, you know, of this family seeking justice for Amber. It's just another another hurdle they have to overcome, and, and just the beginning of how they feel like they received that injustice at the hands of the police in Amber's case. Um, Vivian, of course, was a strong, strong advocate for her daughter. She did not give up, and eventually she convinced them to add Amber back to the database, but it did take a full month, and just in that time alone, I mean, you know, that time is wasted. People could have seen something, maybe, I mean, who knows, but we'll never know now, because she wasn't on there, obviously, um, and again, her family just felt like this was time wasted, where they could have been spent looking for Amber, Later, the family takes, you know, what's, what's just another terrible blow, and they come to find out that Amber's belongings from the trip have been destroyed. Um, the family had learned recently that, you know, Amber and her friend and her son were staying at a hotel. She obviously left belongings there, and then the police got hold of them. They were left for months unprocessed, and then when she was removed from the national person's database, they were destroyed, all this done without contacting the family, contacting the parents without their knowledge, without their consent, without their involvement, which again uh, is just terrible, <laughs> per- like ethically and like personally. Like I just can't imagine. Like I'm looking for someone. I've lost them. They have things in the police's possession, and and they don't even ask. Do you want these things back? I mean, I mean, geez, you know, I, I just, it's so hard to hear. It's just so hard to hear, and again, the family is just left wondering, like, how has this compromised the investigation? Were there any clues? Could what have been in there help shed light on what happened or where Amber is or what's going on, you know, give them any answers? I mean, a family, you know, they're just left waiting with these questions. It's like a wound just left open. They have no closure at this point, you know. It's, It's just all questions, no answers, and Sadly, you know, because that evidence was destroyed, I I don't I don't know if we'd ever know. And I'm sure that must just it must be a terrible, like gut-wrenching feeling to just wonder about things that you can't know, you know? And it's just really hard to hear. So even after all the all these things we hear that they're doing wrong, you know, they're destroying the evidence, taking her down, they're dismissing the family, you know, Vivian her mother was not interviewed by the police until four months after Amber went missing again it just it just seems totally negligent beyond repair four months like what's the reason what was the reason (laughs) you know like oh I just can't even imagine like if you can't even interview her family to get some insight I don't even get how you can come to these assertions she's partying she's she'll come back she's not in foul play when you can't even take some time to get to know her as a person get to know the victim it just seems to me like this is totally like I need to be quite honest it just gives off the vibe we don't care I mean because if you I just don't know how how you could make assumptions about a person you've just never met four months I just think that's that's so long especially for this poor family so then in between all this you know there's no updates for some time. The family, they're continued left in the state of limbo. No answers, you know, left alone with their grief. No support or seemingly no support, no help, no answers, no contact with the police, just left to their own vices, you know, just left with their own heartbreak and no clarity at all on, on any of these of these things. Um, In October of 2010, Amber was one of the women who were honored in the Edmonton Sisters in Spirit Stolen Sisters Awareness March, which is a, a cause, like a grassroots organization, I believe, that works to protest the violence indigenous women face. Um, so this gained like a little traction. This definitely brought to light some of the case's details and definitely kind of gartered that uh, like public questioning you know kind of like what's going on with this like people are getting more involved um, but the case like unfortunately continues to stay cold um, and even today like as I'm reporting this you know there is just sadly not a lot of information on this case and again to go on a little tangent I think that's why this case there's not a lot like a lot of people haven't heard of it it's just weirdly one of those cases there's just not a lot of reports information you know and so The case, you know, inevitably goes cold um, and has been for some time at this point in the timeline. Um, There's been no details released. Everyone is, again, still left in the dark. Um, The description of the vehicle Amber is seen getting into that night is not released to the public to this day in 2021. It still hasn't. Um, I think that's very interesting. I I get it. Like I said, I'm not a police officer. I don't work in in that field at all. I'm just, you know, a person very interested in true crime. Um, I know that I don't know the facts. I don't pretend to know the policies. You know, the stru- I don't know what it's like to be a detective, a police officer in law enforcement. Um, I know that sometimes information can't be released. I know sometimes that is strategic. You know, sometimes they don't release that for a reason. I think that's important. If they have a you know, uh, um, what's a hint or like a lead on someone, you know, releasing that could put that at risk, I I totally understand that, but in cases like these where things have gone cold, there she goes again guys, Lola, <laughs> um, where things go cold, you know, it's just kind of like why not release it at this point, it's been 10, at, at this point it's been 12 years to this day that I'm reporting this you know so release it you know what, what is there to lose with that because obviously if it was a lead it, it would have been found out I would like to think within 12 years so I have a little bit of mixed feelings about that um and so yeah and so that's it it just wasn't reported to the public not explained why no commentary nothing So again, a a year later in 2011, the Stolen Sisters Awareness Organization again hosted an event to spread and raise awareness. And this time it was titled the Amber Alyssa Takara Walk. Um, Again, just like the other um, march for the Indigenous women, this again really was great. It really kind of catapulted the case into raising awareness, not just solely about Amber's case, but other Indigenous women as well, and Indigenous women in general. the the struggles they face, again, when it comes to justice and just spreading that awareness. Um, And then again, you know, this was great, it brought awareness, but no new leads, nothing. So finally, in 2012, that's when we really get some information and a big break in this case, seemingly. Um, The RCMP releases a one-minute clip of what they describe as a 17-minute phone call that Amber had with her brother the night she disappeared. They were able to obtain this phone call due to the fact that Amber's brother had been incarcerated at the time, and they were recording all the phone calls because of this. Um, So they were able to obtain that phone call, and it, uh, it was released that the police had this in their possession. For a year before releasing it to the public, which again, I I a little bit understand it maybe, but I do still have some questions. You know, you're sitting on this cold case. It's almost like, what do you have to lose? You know, this seems like a big piece of information, a voice. You know, a recording that someone could listen to and really hone in on. Hey, I think I know that voice. So a year to me seems like a, a little bit of a long time. Again, I don't know their reasons. Um, But in 2012, it was released, so we do have that. Um, They never publicly said their reasons for waiting. So again, we're left a little bit in the dark. But this recording was shared in hopes of gaining new leads. Um, At the time, it was the only time in Canadian history that the RCMP released an audio recording to the public during a homicide investigation. Um, This recording features a conversation between Amber, who is heard talking to a man whose identity is unknown, that I will uh, read the transcript for you guys and then I'm going to play the clip just in case it's hard to hear. Um, Amber Ticaro, where are we by? Unidentified male. We're just heading south of Beaumont or er, north of Beaumont. Amber Ticaro, we're heading north of Beaumont. Yo, where are we going? Unidentified male, just. Amber Ticaro, no. Is this a unidentified male? A back road. Amber Takaro, are you fucking kidding me? Unidentified male, no, I'm not kidding you. Amber Takaro, you better not take, you better not be taking me anywhere I don't want to go. I want to go into the city, okay? Unidentified male, the one end of the street. Amber Takaro, yo, we're not going into the city, are we? Unidentified male, we are, we're going. Amber Takaro, no, we're not. Unidentified man, yes. Amber Ticaro, then where the fuck are these going to? Unidentified man, to 50th Street. Amber Ticaro, 50th Street, are you sure? Unidentified male, absolutely. Amber Takaro, yo, where are we going? Unidentified man, 50th Street. Amber Ticaro, 50th Street. Unidentified male, 50th Street. Amber Ticaro, East, right? Unidentified man, east. Amber Tocaro, unintelligible, over, unintelligible, now. Unidentified male, gravel. Amber Tocaro, unintelligible, call ends abruptly. So I know that's a lot to process, um, but I'm going to go ahead and play the clip as well, just so you can hear it. No, this is a... Are you f***ing kidding me? You better not take me anywhere. I don't want to go. I want to go into the city. Okay. Yo, we're not going into the city, are we? No, we're not. Then where the these road going to? 50th Street. 50th Street. Are you sure? Absolutely. Now, where are we going so obviously that's really hard to hear and didn't want to spoil it in the beginning but one of the reasons why this case is just stuck in my mind so much um so obviously people have looked into this in depth um there's a lot of different theories about it um take with it what you will i know um you know the reddit unsolved mysteries which by no way is a reliable source but you know lots of people claim they hear two men let some people even claim they hear three Uh, That has never been stated by the police. That has never been reported. But just something to think about. There there is a lot of interesting kind of theories on that page, Um, things like that. Um, But what can be agreed on, you know, is most likely that is the last person who saw Amber and could be the person who caused Amber harm. So police obviously released this in hopes that someone would recognize the voice, come forward, and help identify this man Since the release of the recording, several people have come forward expressing that they do know the man and recognize the voice. Um, However, nothing has come from this to this day. Um, It is reported that the three women who did come forward all reported the same man. Again, this man's identity has not been released um, to the public, at least. The RCMP expressed they looked into this person. They do not consider him a person of interest. Um, But I do think it is interesting that these three women who were not Connected reported the same person. Um, I think it's interesting. On a couple sites I read, um, it did report that the man that was the person of interest was a known sex offender and um, lived on a farm in Leduc County. One source claims he had a penchant for luring young women to his farm and choking them. However, you know, the source where this was from in the article is not listed, so again, take that with a grain of salt, I just think it's something interesting, could be just gossip and rumor, but if not, this it's curious and interesting and, you know, could be important to the case, but like I said, because this case is just so kept in the dark, <laughs> some of this stuff, it's it's hard to say what the truth is and what is not in some ways, you know, so there's no name in the print. There's nothing to go off of. The one person they had, they said, is cleared. Somehow, you know, and again, we're left with this bombshell evidence, this, this clip, which you would think would, would just bust this wide open, but then nothing. You know, it's just radio silence. Um, so Vivian, Amber's mother, is quoted about the recording, saying, there's somebody out there that recognizes this voice. There has to be. His mom, his sister, his wife. And they're not coming forward do they not have a conscience? Um, and I can only, (sighs) I can't even imagine what she's going through, just feeling that because in a way I, it, it does seem crazy to think that, you know, there's this, this proof almost, this like recording and that just nothing has come from it, you know, to me it seems like kind of a distinct voice, but I don't know, you know, so, I just really encourage anyone to listen to the clip, to share it, you know, anybody that was in the Edmonton area around this time, um, you know, just to, to give it a listen and just see and to share, to share the clip and, and get it out there as much as possible. Maybe the right people just haven't heard it yet, you know. Um, but so on the Justice for Amber Takaro Facebook page, this page is run by Vivian, her mother. She often shares the recording. Some people report There was a time where she would hear it every day, hoping, you know, praying that someone would recognize this voice and help find justice for her precious daughter. Um, So then we go to the next break in the case, which is a little bit of an odd coincidence. So coincidentally, on September 1st, which is, you know, very, very close to the day they released this. I want to say it was within... Uh, A few days to a week, I I, uh, didn't write it down and I don't want to say anything incorrect, but within a very short window, the recording was released and then the police uh, eventually released that bones were found. So how this happened was on September 1st, 2012, a group of horseback riders stumbled upon human remains, which was a skull on a rural property. Sorry, the word rural, like I've always had trouble with that on a rural property in Leduc County when they called the police. Um, The area the remains were found in was south of the hotel. Amber and her friend had been staying at. It was about 30 minutes from Edmonton, the place that she was hoping to go and hitchhike to. Um, This kind of goes along with the idea that the investigators believed that the man who was driving Amber was driving southeast along rural roads of Leduc County instead of toward Edmonton like she requested, which inevitably was probably why she was saying, you know where are we going you're taking me the wrong way and he kept saying no 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 um, due to finding the remains, police went out and did a two-day search um, but it appeared no further evidence turned up. the Edmonton medical examiner concluded the identity via dental record blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah. sorry guys. <laughs> Um, the medical examiner concluded the identity via dental records belonging to Amber Takaro. However, cause of death had not been released and still to this day has not been released. So again, just another question that we all are left with, that the family's left with, you know, that just a lot of pieces of the puzzle that are gone, you know, just, just left in the dark, um but we do know that they they uh, recorded the death as seeming suspicious, and law, law enforcement agreed with this. So that is good, I mean, you know, because if they had ruled it anything else, that would be fishy to me. Um, after finding the remains, you know, the case was taken over by the RCMP's care unit, which is um, an off-branch of the missing persons unit, but it really focuses on people who are vulnerable, you know, vulnerable individuals disappearances and homicides um so it's kind of like a subdivision of homicide missing persons uh kind of focusing on things that they feel are within this nature um stra- a very strange part about this is that other remains have been found within a five mile radius of amber um and so i'm gonna go into this a little bit um there, there were a few remains found. Um, Edna Bernard, who went missing on September 22nd, 2002. Her remains were discovered the next day, so on September 23rd, 2002, with the cause of death being listed as strangulation, then being set on fire. Katie Sylvia Balathine, Ballath- who went missing on April 28th, 2003. Her remains were found on January 7th, 2003. However, no cause of death has ever been released. Dolores Brower, who went missing on May 15, 2004. Her remains were found on April 19, 2015. The cause of death was not released. And then Corey Ottenbrett, who went missing on May 9th, 2004. Her remains were found April 19, 2005. Again, the cause of death has not been released. So again, these four women have been found within a five-mile radius of amber, that seems like a very short period of time, you know, I think people will have varying ideas about this, you know, um, most of them, the cause of death has not been released, Amber's, you know, Katie Dolores and Corey Edna, the woman found in the same area, it said her cause of death was strangulation then set on fire, you know, who knows, maybe that was if if we are kind of leaning toward a serial killer theme, maybe she was the first. You know, the mo change does happen. I know it's rare, but you know, maybe who who knows in that in that sense. But to me personally, finding that many bodies in a five mile radius seems it seems intentional. It's almost like list the long ice, long eye, the long eye. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. It's a Friday, but I have Monday brain. Um, And, you know, I thought about editing some of this out, but then I just thought, you know, I don't know, just doesn't seem like my style. So, so, yeah, so hopefully you'll embrace me, my podcast and all my flaws and my grammatical errors. But um, finding those bodies within a five mile radius just seems like a reach, kind of like the Long Island serial killer, um, you know, where all the bodies were found so close together. I mean... There are such things as coincidences, but five times to me that just screams intentional. Um, Some people might agree, some people might not, but that's at least my personal opinion. Um, It is worth noting that there are 20 unsolved homicides that have occurred since 1983 in and around Edmonton, um, which is a lot. They are all women, and they are all women who belong to the First Nations communities. So again, these are all women who are indigenous so 20 unsolved homicides in that span is a lot they're all unsolved I this is a high high number and I just can't get over that and it it makes me wonder you know is there a serial killer is there something more going on that's a high 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 amount of number they're all in the same demographic to me that's just very interesting um So that is eventually why the care division that we talked about earlier that took over Amber's case was created by the RCMP um, because of the high number. So like I said, they were all indigenous women. They had all been hitchhiking. Again, Amber had been hitchhiking. So that's an interesting parallel. Um, Due to this, one obviously wonders, is this the work of a serial killer? Um, I think that's rightfully so. It seems to point that way, especially with the causes of death not being released. It leaves, like I said, a lot of of questions, no answers. Um, In 2005, the RCMP even expressed that they felt like these kills were likely linked to a serial killer. And again, that person was never identified, never caught, you know, nothing followed up with that. So the Behavioral Science Department even went as far as to do a profile in 2005 because of this in hopes of catching this person. Um, And so I would like to read a little bit of that for you guys, just to help you shed some light on this and the situation. So the CBC reports RCMP Constable Tamara Bellamy stating, we are confident somebody out there has information that will help us solve these crimes. The person responsible for these homicides is going to be somebody's neighbor. He's going to be somebody's brother. He will likely not look like the monster that he is. We will... the monster that we see in movies. He will blend into society, perhaps never having any interaction with police. This is why we need the public's help. The profile develops reads as followed: The killer is believed to contain the following traits, which include drives a truck, van, or SUV, is comfortable driving in rural areas. Vehicle is reliable and likely has significant amount of mileage, may be used for work outdoors. Suspect may hunt fish, camp, or participate in outdoor activities, likely has a past or present connection to Edmonton, including LeDuc. He may have lived or worked in the area, have family or friends here, periodically clean the vehicle from the inside and outside, which might not seem suspicious. And so that is the profile that they came up with. When I read that, I kind of thought, oh boy, that's a little vague. Um, Maybe for other people, that seems, that seems like a lot, but for me, I just think, huh, you know, drives a truck or van, lots of people drive trucks, I mean, I guess that narrows it down, but, you know, vehicle has a lot of mileage, oh, I know my, my car has a lot of mileage, you know, hunting, fishing, again, I live in the U.S., I don't live in Canada, I don't know if in this area that's particular, particularly popular, but I know, uh, at least I live in Michigan and a lot of people here hunt fish camp. So that to me wouldn't outright stand out. You know, I, I would say three out of four of my friends enjoy those activities. So to me, this doesn't stand out. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe if someone hears this and they, they connect all this together, that might open up some things for them. Um, so, again, that can be found online if you want more information on that. But um, with all this out there, you know, it's, it's uh, over the years, it just seems like this has kind of taken on a new life, you know, multiple unsolved murders, the the women found within a five-mile radius, the 20 unsolved homicides, they're all indigenous, they're all hitchhiking, they feel like they have a serial killer, you know, but no leads, no leads, even though this dates back to 2005, and now fast forward to 2013, still in the same boat, you know, no new information, it just breaks my heart, it's really, it's really hard to hear, honestly, that just all these women even if they hypothetically weren't related just it's all just so unknown it's just heartbreaking so the RCMP put up two billboards in 2013 near where amber's remains were found um and they placed them in hopes that you know people would see them to raise awareness ask for tips get leads you know but sadly not much ever came of this which is a shame especially after the audio recording came out you would think that you know that might that might lead to some things, but sadly, the case seemed to just fizzle out. And so then in 2014, Vivian, Amber's mother, filed a complaint against RCMP, which had a lot of issues cited. You know, she she states that they downplayed her disappearance. You know, if, if you can remember, they said, oh, she's just partying. She'll be fine. Well, obviously not. You know, now that we found remains, she wasn't partying. She's not fine. You know, you guys are wrong. So Rightfully so, I'd bring that up. Also, you know, um, she so she cited the downplaying of the disappearance, you know, the destu- destruction of possible evidence that could have led to answers, um, you know, the mishandling of the case. They quoted that they felt like they were quote passed from office to office uh, throughout the investigation, and they were never informed or contacted throughout, which is just terrible to hear a family even say that. Like they're struggling, you know, they need support and. I know, I know people right now in 2021 have mixed views of the police. Um, I don't like to get into stuff like that. But, you know, I believe with anything, there are just good and bad people. There are people who care and people who don't. There are people who do their job and people who don't. I would love to believe and hope that there are people in the police force, you know, in, in these fields that care. And then like anything else, teachers, doctors, you know, whatever, lawyers, there are just some people always who just don't care. I mean, you just can't avoid that, you know, but it is a shame because, and I mean, I'm not saying that these, these officers didn't care. I'm not them. I can't speak for them. It just seems like this whole thing was just so mishandled and it, and it just breaks my heart for the family. It's like, they lost their daughter. They get no justice. They get no peace. And then they get treated like shit. It's like, I just don't, I just. I can't even imagine that feeling. It just, it's really hard to hear. Um, and so rightfully so, they filed the complaint. Um, she, Vivian, the mother, was a very big advocate for Amber, as you can see through this, you know, telling of the story. She, she really focused on spreading the awareness, you know. She was involved in lots of different events and things like that in 2015. They had a second annual Amber Alyssa Tocaro Memorial um, this was a dance that brought awareness to her murder. You know, she traveled different places like Ottawa, Canada, um in two thousand and fifteen for a roundtable event that discussed, you know, Canada's missing, the murdered indigenous women, the girls that are missing, you know, with the united goal of just bringing awareness to these issues um, in this system where it seems like this population is coming up more and more and more missing, you know, and just trying to find a solution to that. Um, Paul Takaro, Amber's brother, became involved in advocating as well and participated in an events to help bring awareness. You know, he's a big criticizer of the RCMP and their policy to wait 24 hours before filing a missing person report. He also shared with the family, you know, the frustration about, about the investigation, which, you know, from what I've read, seems, seems really fair to me. So, you know, again, this case goes cold and there's nothing, and then, you know, it's just, it just really pulls at your heartstrings, but in 2017, you know, Amber's family is still struggling to find any kind of closure, you know, at this point, this is seven, I think seven, I'm really bad at math, guys, but I believe seven years after, you know, what happened to Amber, still no closure, you know, in an attempt to gain more information, the family uh, increased the reward to $5,000 for any tips or information, like leading to, you know, some answers for Amber. In 2018, an independent review was conducted after the family complained um, and investigated and uh, found that the RCMP's investigation was deficient, which sounds like a good thing, Um in hindsight, but you'll, you'll hear in just a minute, you know, um, it was deficient. Um, you know, they, they came up with a 120 page report where the officers that were involved were not properly trained, um, to follow, to follow their training and, uh, didn't adhere to the RCMP's policies, procedures, and guidelines, um, in, in regards to this case. So, And again, this was brought on because of the complaint by the family. It was investigated, even though it was investigated several years later of their complaint. Um, And really, they found it deficient, but nothing was done about it, you know? Like, nothing changed. Like, yeah, okay, it was deficient, next. You know, so in a way it's great that they acknowledge it. But for this family who has just been like pushed to the side, to me, it just seems like another blow, you know, like deficient. Okay, And what do you want us to do? You know, so. So they felt the investigation did feel that the removal of taking Amber from the missing persons database uh, did not follow proper protocol as well as the destruction of the evidence. Um, So, again, that's great, but it's all. It's all cheap talk, you know, if you ask me. I mean, maybe, maybe others would feel differently, but, you know, that doesn't bring the family any real relief, you know. Um, they found, they also found in the review that the RCMP's handling of witness statements was improper. It found the amount of time taken to review, to interview, sorry, interview, not review, interview Vivian, was unreasonable and unexplained. Because, again, if you can remember, it took four months for them to interview her. Um, they said the numerous officers failed to get in contact with the woman Amber had been traveling with at the time of her disappearance. As well, it was found that relevant contact information for potential witnesses was not always recorded. It is also worth noting that the review stated it has found that inaccurate information about the case was released to the media, which this terrifies me because, again, it has not specified what information So we're just left that little carrot dangling. Oh, and by the way, some of this information is incorrect. What information? What information? There is so little information that I I need to know what information, you know. But again, they just say it, they cut it off, and that's it. Um, With all that being said, it was not found that the investigations were the result of racial bias, which is kind of what the family was alluding to Um, with the report all said and done. 24 findings and 17 recommendations were made as the end result. And again, they did say it was deficient, but they felt it was not racially charged. One of the main recommendations was that um, the officers receive some sort of guidance, you know, training um, to help with this. And, you know, the RCMP all talk, you know, vowed, oh, we're going to implement these changes. We're so grateful that this family spoke out. You know, we're going to take this experience and, and run with it. But for the family... I mean, it's like, what the hell, guys? You know, they said the review took four years after we complained, you know? They said it would only take under two, so it's double the time they told us. Again, another slap in the face, you know? They share that, you know, they feel no sense of relief, like vindication, like nothing, they have no closure. They don't know who killed Amber, you know? And that's all they want, you know? And they have... They have uh, they have not publicly re- publicly released the full report. You know they only released a few details um, in an effort to help. You know, but it just it just all seems so convoluted. I I just again I know I've said it so much, but I just can't even imagine what this family feels to lose someone is already probably one of the most terrible things to go through and then just no closure no justice being disrespected for years and years and years it's it's just like ripping the band-aid off over and over again and just it's really terrible to for me to even read this which is why I wanted to share this with everyone you know too but the RCMP issued issued. I'm so sorry, guys. You know, like I said, I have Monday brain and I just keep stuttering like crazy. So let me know, you know, in the future, if you would like me to edit it out, I would be totally willing to do that. It's just my first one. And I just thought, let me just get in the habit of practicing, get myself out there and kind of going from there. But I digress. I apologize for my little rant. Um, the RCMP issued a formal apology to the family in 2019. However, the family does not Accept the apology they rejected and they have stated it feels quote forced which again totally understandable this family is so strong I I just they're so strong for what they do and how they stand up for Amber you know I think it's it's wonderful that they said no no we're not taking this you know good for them um in 2019 the family filed paperwork to exhume Amber's remains Basically, with everything that happened in the past, they just don't trust the RCMP. Um, And they said they hope to test the bones and make sure that it is Amber, which, again, is like, whoa. There must be some things that even we don't know about, you know, for this family. Even the things I've heard about, I guess, is reason enough. But I cannot but wonder, is there even more (laughs) that we just, the public, don't know about that causes family to do this, that they feel that the bones that they found might not be Amber's? which is interesting, so that was in 2019, two years ago, so nothing else has been recorded about that, so I'm not sure, it doesn't appear that there's any new developments, maybe it hasn't taken place yet, um, but that is kind of just left up in the air. Um, they did say that they plan to use Jacob, Amber's son DNA, um, to confirm or deny if it's Amber's. They just had some questions they stated kind of about the dental records, and quote, how fast the identification was made, they found a little suspicious. So, again, sadly, the case remains open. No arrests have been made. No suspects, you know, no persons of interest uh, have been found. So it's just left a, a big, big mystery, honestly. And Amber is survived, you know, by her mother, Vivian, her son, Jacob, and her brothers. Unfortunately, Amber's father passed away in 2014, which just breaks my heart because he never got to see or hear justice, you know, for his daughter, um... Vivian's mother keeps Amber's story alive through the Facebook page, uh, Justice for Amber Takara, where she posts quite often. Um, She also takes care of Jacob, Amber's son, and so she posts little updates about that as well. Um, I just wanted to read you really quick a post that, um, that Vivian did post on September 3rd, 2020. She posted, frustrated that no one has come forward with the answers that we need. It has been a long time now, 10 fucking years. Amber's case has been mishandled right from the start, and we are still finding things out that we didn't hear from from the police. There are some cruel, heartless people out there that get off on other people's pain and sorrow. It's hurt on my family as it is, and so again, this just sheds light into just 10 years later. There's still just no relief, you know, no justice, nothing, and the family is just left in this state of Frozen in time almost as when this all happened, you know? And so, like I said, if you have time, check out the page, give the page a like, you know, there's, she posts on there often pictures of Jacob, just updates, like, you know, things hurt she's feeling, things like that, and people on there discuss it and stuff like that. Vivian refers to Amber often on the page as her angel, and they recently had an event for Amber's uh, 10-year angelversary in 2000. Uh, 2019 or 2020, which I, I think it's beautiful that they call it an versary. I've never heard that before. And I, it it made me, it made me a little sad to hear, but I, I thinking of her as an angel, I'm sure brings her mother, you know, a lot of that piece. So, and that's kind of where the case ends guys. I know I, it sounds like a lot, but really it's like bare bones. And I, I just wish there was more information, more, more leads, more anything about this case. It's, it's so, it's so sad to hear but um if you're looking for more information or resources you know like I said in the beginning Crime Junkie did a podcast um I think they did that really well there's a podcast called Taken the Podcast that also did a great episode regarding it um on their website too they have it in a couple different languages they have it in English and in Cree which I thought was interesting um so those are two things that I felt were really helpful um you know, and just some basic information um, about the case. Like I said, there's just a large number of missing women in Canada, a large number of indigenous women missing, unsolved murders, you know, all the, all that stuff is going on there. And so Am- Amnesty International in Canada is responsible for the No More Stolen Sisters movements that I know we talked about a little bit in the beginning. They did the marches and things like that to bring awareness, Um, They have a lot of great resources on their website, too, of how can we help, how can we get involved. You know, they have the clip listed there, clips also on YouTube, you know, lots of other places. Um, They just say visit their website, call and report anything, you know, even if it seems insignificant. If you feel like it applies to the case, let the investigators do their job. You know, I know it's hard not to, but, you know, it's not our job to investigate. It's theirs. So I don't blame people for doing that, but, you know, just give it. And if it's nothing, it's nothing. But if it's something, it's something, you know, and that could really break this wide open. I think that's really what everyone needs. They also have other ways on there that you can help this cause if you feel so inclined. Um, you can visit the Justice for Amber Takaro page. Um, like I said, her mother posts things, show the support there. The LaDuke Department of the RCMP is currently asking those with information regarding Amber's murder to contact them. They have shared her description in hopes it'll jog, you know, someone's memory. If they saw her, if they saw this unknown man, this vehicle, things like that at the time of the disappearance. She was 5'6 and weighed approximately 144 pounds. She has black hair and blonde streaks and her eyes were brown. She is believed to have been wearing a purple bench hoodie. Um, and so you can also google pictures online to see amber that that um, brings up your memory as well um, those with information regarding the case can contact alberta rcmp at 780 412 5261 or leduc rcmp at 780 980 7267 tips can also be called into project care at 1877 412-5273 or submitted anonymously via Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. Well, guys, I want to thank you so much to those who did listen, who joined me today. Again, this is my first ever podcast. I'm no way an expert. It's just something I really enjoy doing. Hopefully, I did this story justice. You know, um, I really spent a lot of time making sure the information is correct, accurate, things like that, fact checking. Um, But I just appreciate anyone who did give it a listen. Um, Thank you for joining me, and hopefully, you can follow me on this journey and see me progress as I do many more. So feel free to uh, follow us on our social medias. Um, We are the Why So Serial podcast. And I say we, even though it is just me, Danielle, your host, and my co-host Lola, the annoyingly loud pitbull who you might hear from time to time. Um, You can follow us on Instagram at why So Serial Podcast? And again, the cereal is not like the cereal you eat. It's the cereal with an S, like serial killer. Ha ha ha. I know. And a real knee slapper, but why so serial podcast? You can send us a Gmail at why so serial M podcast at gmail.com. The M is in murder. Um you can also send us a tweet if you feel like it. That would be just great at Why So Serial Pod. And we are working on a Facebook page. Um, and so once we have that up and going, we will let you know. We also have a Patreon. Um, and its name escapes me right now, but I believe it's just Why So Serial Podcast as well. Um, so if you feel so inclined, I know we're just getting started, but maybe as we progress, you know, you'll feel like, oh, this is something that that I I want to invest in or help with or or even just follow you know money is by no means needed at all just your support your feedback um would help me just so 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 much so don't feel like you in any way have to do that I'm I just know a lot of podcasts have it so I'm just kind of putting it out there so again that's why so cereal podcast Uh, and thank you for listening guys and if you do uh, give this a listen you know feel free to comment on any of those socials give us some some suggestions of what you want to see next and uh, thank you for listening until next time